Hello and welcome to this week's Super 8's podcast. I'm Denise O'Flaherty and joining me this evening is our regular pundit Sean O'Gohalpin and we are so delighted to have Wexford's very own George O'Connor on as our guest. So welcome men. Denise, how are you? Very much George, I actually mentioned having you on the show to someone the other day and they turned around and they said, oh I remember him playing for Wexford and then said, sure he's in that song, Dancing at the Crossroads. You're famous for something. Yeah, I think that was that was nineteen twenty two or sometime like that. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> but come here, George. Were you actually dancing at the crossroads uh, last weekend? Like some week for Wexford, your minors, your seniors winning Leinster titles, and then your under twenties booking their place in the Leinster final. Yeah, we were very we were, we were very happy, and uh, you know what's what's seldom was wonderful. Was uh, well, very happy with the with the uh, the minors because. Uh, I remember years ago when we when we started, you know, um, trying to rekindle re- rekindle us. Um, we had a, uh, a little activity called hurling on the key, which was on the keys of Wexford, and there was a little a little chap turned up with his mum. His mum was they'd got rest her, and uh, his name was uh, Lawler. So he, Richie Lawler, he was the captain of the team. So he was only two. Oh. So he came down with a little uh, came down with a little nicks on him. And uh, Wexford Jersey and his mum, mum and his dad was with him, and uh, she passed away. Then uh, a few years later, mm-hmm. about ten years ago, so it was a, it was a lovely a lovely story. But I'm sure his uh, I'm sure his mum was 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 very much with him on the on the day. So you know, for there's all uh, lots of little little reasons and yeah. little stories attached to it. So you know, for for that type of thing for young people itself, it was lo- lovely. And for, for the senior then was. Uh, you know, it's done. It stood on its own merits. Yeah. You know, who, 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 who would, who would dream that maybe twenty years ago that we'd, we'd talk about? You know, if if the people coming into our country and people who were resident here anyway, and uh, well, we might we might have a lead chin centre back yeah. or like get that. So, you know, so be careful what you, be careful what you wish for because it's all good. Well, look at Mister O'Halpin himself. You know, if his mum and dad hadn't have come into the country, we wouldn't uh, be talking to the great. Sean Oak, what are we, Sean Oak? You're right, Denise. If you would have told me 20 years ago, sorry, or even 30 years ago when I was growing up in the suburbs in Sydney, that I would end up in the north side of Cork City would be one thing, but even to play with Cork and even to, do you know what I mean, kind of lace boots and run onto the hollow turf of Parky Kiva Co Park and we bonkers stuff like that. As the way fate had it, I got here and then not alone got the dream, but got to, got to live what many young kids here are like, do you know what I mean, growing up like in a dream of like. And it's great, I can the change of faces in society, and then that's kind of respected in the G, you know, where we're seeing our players, like, kind of represented from different ethnic yeah. groups now, like, do you know what I mean? Like, so, Lee Chin, the Chinese background, you had Zach Moratti, uh, playing with Lee Chung. Yeah. You've, um, Baidu as well, Baidu as well from, uh, Westmead. Absolutely, from Nigeria, yeah. yeah. Um, in Cork, like, I'm involved with underage, you know, kind of, in my own club, but we'd have a few guys from different, like, kind of, ethnic backgrounds, and in teams that do play against, like, it's becoming more popular now compared to 20 years ago, like, which is great. That's great to see. George, 1996, you finally, and Wexford, finally reached the Holy Grail by claiming the Liam McCarthy Cup after so many years what was it like? You know, you were able to just after that get that horse and ride off into the sunset. Yeah, it was. It was that was quite special. You know, it was, it's 
sometimes sometimes it's vivid in the mind and, mm. and sometimes it's 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 like like a storybook you know you you um, you remember the, the day that it was and you remember the you remember the build up you remember the people who were who were following me for for so long and you remember the the guys that you played with uh, I would have started in 96 would you have gone another year or did you, did you have it like in your head like that win lose or draw this is my last game of for Wexford like from early on fantastic. From, from that was fantastic previous, yeah. previous October um, when we started I said this is this is my last year now whatever last happens year. happens okay. so, that's just amazing how f- um, fantastic and isn't it kind of, uh, usually, usually people when they fall short they'll kind of they'll mull over in the winter and they get back for another year but like basically just great the way things kind of just fell, fell, fell for you then like your last game of your career and then geez, getting getting to walk up to Hogan Sand you know that picture one of those memories of when I was younger watching it and um, you know I always supported the underdog and to support Wexford that day and I remember you just being lifted shoulder high around the place and just supporters yeah. it must have been something else it was, but it's 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 it's, it's difficult to to put your finger on because mm. when you get there, when you get there, it you you, you very quickly put into context that it's sport. Yeah. And you know, like life has to be lived, and you know, from from the heights that you, that people go to, it's nice to be able to ground yourself yeah. afterwards. You know, and. It was like it's just like a chapter chapter in a book, really, you know. But uh, it was it was I thought it was a people's it was a people's honour. It wasn't only Wexford, but people, as you say, following the underdog. Yeah. So I like to equate it to 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 to, to a larger public or the uni- kind of a universal win, you know. From it gives people hope. It gives people hope not only in sport but in in, in everything they do, you know. From Longford, George, we wouldn't have many days in the sun and that so you know experiences like watching Wexford and even just taking it all in and a couple of weeks ago Sligo and when you see certain teams you know just the underdog coming out and that us hope you know people in Longford well I'm, I'm just last year uh, last year or this year just just, just gone by last Chuck Neil in the yeah. in the Camogie People who say in 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 the stronger counties that who are shocked Neil and have they have they any right to be winning three three All Ireland club titles in a row? Look at them with the football and the hurling as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, just a crowd of people get together and say, listen, we want to we want to do something special up here, and you know when you're all singing from the same hymn sheet, you know anything is possible. It's just a matter of of connecting. You know, so in the modern world where, 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 
you know, uh, it's there's more of a disconnect than there is a connection. Yeah. Even though we have modern te- modern technology, and we t- we feel that people are more connected, but they're actually not. It's actually disconnected. They are. So it's when people come together in, in communities, and that's the beauty about the GA. Yeah. You know, when they when they put their put their head put their heads down and say, "Listen, we're going to we're, we're going to learn the skills of the game. We're going to actually, you know, set set the bar, not set the bar." As a height, we set the bar as achievable goals. So when you set the bar as an achievable goal and then get comfortable at that that goal, then you move to the next height, the next level. So but when, a, when, when coaches come in, generally they say, listen, we are here. We're at A and we want to get, we want to get, to, we want to get the whole way to the Holy Grail. But that's, that, that challenges too much for any group. So including, including, Backroom team mm. and, and and staff and community. So let's get let's go for the achievable ones, and then we'll get comfortable on that on that level, and then we'll move on to the next level, and get comfortable on that level, and so on. And uh, that's how that's that that's how people do it because there's the what, there's why, and there's the, there's the where, but very few know know the how. Because you're so grounded, George, and you know you have your farming background and everything, is that something that kind of helped you? Because a lot of times. If you're winning an All Ireland, or you know, even the disappointment of doing it for some, you know, for some men or for some people, they take it quite hard, or the opposite of actually winning an All Ireland, and they can take it too far. Was the fact that you were just able to go back and live life, and you had to go straight into work afterwards that helped you? I wanted to go back. We we came home. We know the usual. You, you come mm. home on the Monday or whatever. You know, I wanted to go back to meet meet house on Tuesday morning. <laughs> Which I did, you know, because uh, I just wanted to get back because, you know, that that uh, that uh, you know joy mm. is out of, would would be would be out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Now playing at that playing at that level it was not because we were trained to play at that level, mm. but the euphoria that followed, you know, I wouldn't have been that comfortable with that, you know. So I wanted to get back to doing what I like doing, you know, uh, and maybe playing a few holes of golf for. You know, doing a bit of fishing or something, going mm. for a swim or, you know, that type of thing you, you can do down around Wexford here. You know, which is, mm. which, which is very enjoyable and it's nice to get, be, be grounded again, you know. And then, you know, it's, 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 it's what's known as the window of tolerance, you know. So we're all bumping along every day, you know, during our lives. It's like a little journey, you know. And we're bumping along, but sometimes you get, you go out of your window of tolerance, yeah. whether, whether it be euphoria or disappointment or whatever it is. That, that's like a little trauma. So, come down off that is sometimes you need it it yeah. parachutes on you you know so that takes that takes a little bit of time and I can understand I can understand sports people and people in high powered positions you know that it's very difficult to continue to play and that play at that extraordinary level you know so it's it's something worse and it's something that's, that's, that's you know, I suppose in the GA now there, there's there's uh, well-being yeah uh, well being looked in, looked into now and uh, you know, so I was looking at the my son is actually or our son he's he's heading out to Sydney. Sydney, Swans, yeah, Sydney Swans Barry, yeah. They have uh, part of their, their their management team is to look after the welfare of, of the players, which means that this this is only going to last seven or eight years. Yes. So we'd like to know what your what your intentions are afterwards, you know, are you going to in your occupation, in in your studies or whatever, you know, what's 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 at the end of it for you so they're, they're, they're set up at the end of it you know, regardless of what, you're, what they're earning out there you know yeah. it, doesn't really, it doesn't really matter but you know life does 
those carry on afterwards, you know. Yeah, because Sean, look, even for yourself, there was nothing like that. And nowadays, thankfully, we've got the, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And a few weeks ago, we were talking to Mark McHugh from Leitrim, who had cancer twice and, you know, and about how easy it's to get down. And that that's it, you know, thankfully now, and as George said, even with Sydney Swans and that, and with the GEA, we're now making well-being a hot topic and a number one priority. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the fact that the conversation is on the table, you no know, conversation is at the mammoth, mammoth start or mammoth step compared to, like, a taboo enough, like, say, when I played back 15, 20 years. Can you imagine when George started off in the 70s? Mm. Like, you must have been sent to the, what you call a madhouse or something like that back back then if you if, if, if you spoke of insecurities or if you spoke of anything that wasn't seen as like being manliness or macho mm. you know machoism like you know so thankfully thankfully the world and thankfully like things have moved on now like George does touch on a point people tend to forget that like your sporting career is only we hope to live do you know what I mean like mm. for a long long time right? your sporting career at that level is only George mentioned seven years in Aussie rules like you know what I mean yeah. If you get 10 years of Wester or 10 years of Cork, that's a very good inning, but it's very short lifespan, mm. do you know what I mean, compared to, compared to the years that you're, you know, like, going to live and what you're going to do afterwards, like, and I suppose the most important thing that I was kind of probably being, not coached, but taught like that, don't let your sporting years define it, don't let your sporting years the the only part of your life, like it just have different departments of life, like that you can kind of like, go into, like like from like thankfully in order for and against, like you know the game being professional or not. But probably one of the advantages that I really saw being an amateur was like that when I popped my last game, the means like I, was, I I went to work the following day. Yeah. I losing losing the Galway 2012. I had a good look at Crow Park semi final. I got the runner on in my life by Johnny Glenn and I knew just knew like that look that's that's it for me. I'm brown bread at this level and then you know, I went into the following in Walter Bank and the and the boss was warning at me about targets and <laughs> customer meetings and what are you and then and then it was gone. It was just like I just knew it was just like life moves on, do you know what I mean? Like and I had something else like to go to like, you know. George, when we talk about Argentina, everyone thinks Messi, everyone thinks Diego Maradona, but no one thinks Hurling and George O'Connor. Yeah, well, I got, I, 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 you know, a, a guy called Liam Griffin who was over tonight. Yeah. He would have, he approached me about 2004 or five, sometime around then, you know. And we weren't going so well. You know, 2004 mm. we were okay, 2005, six, seven around that time. We weren't going, we weren't doing very well and we were falling back a little bit. So he asked me would I get involved in a kind of a coaching. Mm. Coaching role for Wexford uh, through Crow Park, Leicester Council Crow Park type thing. So we d- we did that, but part of part of it was part of it was was uh, uh, kind of fact finding missions and you know networking the business. Yeah. But it it it, it, it occurred as uh, got the opportunity to to uh, reestablish hurling uh, as one of my one of my uh, well proposal was put to me in Argentina. So myself and a guy called James Devan from Kildare. He, we actually went on this excursion out there. We did a cool camps out there. That was the, the very first one we did. But uh, they, they, ceased, they ceased hurling in 1939, just for the Second World War. Mm. Uh, and they had difficulty getting hurling sticks. And then, you know, t- the time had moved on. There was, there, was, there was about half a million ex-Irish.
a better word, in Argentina. Yeah. And the hurling club, that's the name of, that's the name of the club, it's called the hurling club. And the place, it's the place, the, the area that it's in is called Hurlingham. Okay. And the club, the clubhouse is similar to any clubhouse here in, in Ireland. Any club, in, in, with the, the, the more modern clubhouses, it's the very same, but hadn't changed. So when we, when we got there, you know, I asked them had they any hurley sticks because we, it was an issue to getting the, it was, uh, a, a, a small bit, a, it was a small bit corrupt that time in, yeah. in, in, uh, in Argentina. So we had a problem getting the cold camps gear out of, uh, Immigration, and um, so I had to start without without gear on the first day. So I had no language. I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't speak Spanish. So it was the first time I had to coach. I had to coach without speaking. You know. So I asked my day. They some of the guys. There was one guy, uh, Dicky Dicky McAllister was his name, and Alexandre. Uh, I can't think of his second name. But I asked my day in the early sticks. So. I was kind of just rolled back the years. Like they took the hurls out from. They had some hurley sticks there, the old hurley sticks from 1939. Wow! But they brought out these hurley. These, they brought out these hurley sticks. Like that, there would be. There would be generally. You'd put these hurley sticks up in the museum in Crow Park. Yeah. So I said, we'll we'll we'll, we'll do a few fundamental movements and that that type of thing. You know, for for children and kind of fun games and that type of thing. After we got after we got the gear, but. But luckily, the the immigration boys in uh, the airport they, they let the gear out for about two thousand two thousand euros in cash. So you know, it's fair to them, it was it was kind of you know an oppor- an opportunist opportunistic time for them. So mm. we got the gear anyway, and we moved on. But uh, since then, I said to them um, that time were fantastic people. You know, they really wanted to to to, to reimmerse themselves back into back into the game. And connect again. So um, I said, "No, we'll give you we'll give you ten years to try and get a team to Ireland." But actually, they did it in five years. So they were over in Galway there about two, two, three years ago, maybe three years ago, with a team from Argentina. There, there's another team coming this year down to Watford uh, from Argentina again, and uh, they're 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 well up and going out there now, and they're part they're part of the GA now and the All Star Tour. I don't know whether maybe Sean, Sean Ogie, you were, you might have been out there. I, 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 I did. 2000, 2009, George, yeah. I was on a, I was on a last trip that we, uh, we went to Buenos Aires and we were at that, we are at that hurling club that you were on about in Hurlingham. Yeah, uh, that was the, the game, the game was actually, I think, played there in, in Hurlingham. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 the ironic part about that is when they stopped playing hurling out there, they actually, the, the men in the club and the women in the club, they took up hockey, and they won the and they won the first division league within two years. Wow! And everyone knows that Argentina Argentinian hockey is very very strong. Very strong, yeah, yeah. You know, so they actually won that. And the other side of their club then was a rugby club. They began to play rugby out there. So Look how strong rugby has gotten. So and rugby was is very strong out there yeah. in in that area as well. Uh, the the uh, CBS was a Christian brother school out there in Contopomi. He used to play for Leinster. Yeah. He was from the CBS out there as well. So the connections, and believe it or believe it or not, we went to, went to went to a little orphanage one day myself and myself and James. Oh, actually, another guy, the, the, the second guy, a guy called Martin Lynch, he's up in Rathaut now. He's a GPO up there, <laughs> and we end up going to a little orphanage. 
I was about maybe two or three hours from Buenos Aires. We met the local clergyman that was looking after all these little kids. And, you know, when when, it, when you come back to Ireland and you see, like, sometimes I think Adam and Eve were taken out of the Garden of Eden, but the, the, the good Lord left us here, you know. So when you come back and you see yeah. how lucky we are here, you know, and, and we have so much to be thankful for, you know, just... just um, and you go to, and you, see, you go to a little orphanage out there, and you see children as young as twelve with, with babies, you know, and with no with no real hope or no no opportunities opportunities for them. And the local clergyman out there, we actually visited his village, and it might so be we we went to uh, I think it was Ash Wednesday it was, and we went to see him, and uh, we got this freedom in the village, this Martin Lynch guy, and. Uh, so I took out a, a, an old bottle of whiskey. That time was about uh, thirty-five year old bottle of whiskey, and I know it wasn't that it wouldn't be the done thing or anything. But listen, we'll, we're, 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 we'll let's 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 call a spade a spade. Well, we took the bottle of whiskey out at seven o'clock and we finished it at twenty-five past seven, and uh, we went to say mass. And after that, we got the, we got the blessed ashes and. Uh, and uh, funnily enough, about a month later, when we came home, didn't I meet him down in a place called Ross Lair, in, in Kelly's and Ross Lair? And I said, by God, you know, it's just, I, I can't connect, I can't make the connection here at all. So you don't see a guy for all the years, and then this happens, you know. So, But when I came back, as I say, and I see how lucky the people are in this yeah. country, and, you know, uh, you know, just, just sit back sometimes and just with a little bit of stillness and say by God we are so lucky so travel for people is, is I think it's essential it's an eye opener isn't it it is an eye opener and it's, it's the appreciation you, you have for your own for your, for your own surroundings and your own area and then you look at the you look at the greater picture and you look back to like the Michael Cusick and Davern and these guys who, who founded the GA that we have we have a serious connection all over the country you can go and you can ring me up last week and yeah. We can have a chat tonight about about whatever, and we're all in the one country. And you, I might, you might as well be just some expert town here talking to me. You know, yeah. so it's, been, it's really brilliant. You know, George, coaching in general. You know, you love the game and you love coaching. Well, and same with you, Sean Oak. You know, you're involved in your club. I suppose when you give up the game, you still want to kind of be involved. Coaching is it's 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 a bit like a. a, a food for children so an acquired taste but there's a, there's also a language so there's language for adults there's language for kids children there's language for infants first year second year the whole way up along so there's a, that has to be learned to understand children you just get you, you have to get down to the level of children some people are good at it more people are who try their, their very very best at it and then other people like to look after the junior B team, which they don't care less whether they're, whether they're training or not. They just it's a social, it's a social. Yeah. But the reason I got into it, and not so much to bring, not so much to bring Mike for that was one aspect of it, but the, the main aspect was what was we were given a culture that's identified now lately by UNESCO. It's a world cultural game, so to afford every child in the country the opportunity to put a hurley stick in their hand and play a national game that's kind of unique to Ireland. And to be able to develop a child, you know, in the modern world that we're in, like the screen now is the, is the hurling wall. So the screen of the computer to me is the hurling wall. So we want to get them active, get them out there, yeah. get them stimulated, give them the attention, give them the challenge. Once we give them the stimulation through the through sport, then they, they're getting the attention.
tension from that and then they're looking for the challenge as well you know whether to make it or not so there's thousands and thousands of children who are now playing the game on the head of some great coaching in the country you know and great understanding of children the challenge is there they'll compete anyway but it's just something that I like to do I love to see a child with a grip and swing I love to see the child doing all the different skills of the game whether it be boys or girls you know uh, football ladies football all the games but uh, I just love doing it I get the opportunity it's a privilege for me to go to any club Sean up last week I was at the Longford Wexford Len- Leinster Minor Shield final and at half time these little ones a boy uh, two boys and a girl and I'd say there must have been about two six and seven come out with the hurlies and it was just lovely to see and I just thought, you know, that's what we need. And opening up the pitches at half time, we should allow more of that. I know they do that in Tullamore now. And the crowds of children on it, because every child should be allowed to have a Gaelic football or a hurley and stand on their county ground. Ah, uh, look, absolutely. It should be it should be incorporated as, you know, a big match experience like, yeah. for youngsters. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, to, to get on the pitch and like say this is the pitch that Rory O'Connor ran on or Lee Chin or what you call it Matthew O'Hanlon or Patrick Hogan at Cork and and then getting the kid to go down by the goal most imagine himself like you know what I mean in 20 years time like you know with an inter-county jersey and doing it uh, look that that experience should be provided to kids um like, unfortunately, you get stuff like insurance, yeah. you know, being chore, like, you get excuses like, ah, should we can't because of insurance, something happened to a kid on the pitch, which I get to an extent, but, um, I think the greater good and the greater will, do you know what I mean? Like, if we started to do this more at regional grounds, like, across the country, and it'll just really make it a real family day affair like one of my biggest fears of the days and is that we're like we end up going too corporate off to get a world yes. like and we we disconnect from our fans grassroots we disconnect yeah. from our grassroots exactly which is Joe said like would have been the you know like that would have been the vision of Michael Cusick like it's about getting back to grassroots yeah getting back to grassroots and giving, giving joy to kids like and then and then they see starting off their dreams my dreams would have started off in a schoolyard in the North Man back in the year he wanted to be Tony Sullivan or Tomas McGay like just on the coach and Mr. George mentioned like you know can I just echo like okay obviously you know from your coaching teams like and then you have the matter of trying to get results do you know what I mean but when you park that aside right just to see the boy your girl replicate or reflect what they did on the training ground do you know what I mean yeah. and, uh, and a match like that for me is the essence of coaching seeing it being done in the game and then just Tommy, Joe or Sheila that's what you call a flick that you did I mean we did that in training yeah. for the last four weeks religiously and then they paid off and it paid off in the game right so that for me is that's my drug really no one coaching, just seeing like kind of what they do like off the pitch. No one is watching them at yeah. training in front of uh, in front of a crowd and then just pouring out there like on the pitch. George, I'd say there must have been some great crack down to the years in the O'Connor household with sport. You mentioned your son Barry. He's gone off to Sydney Swans. He's an accomplished young Gaelic footballer. Katie, obviously with Camogie. Then your nephews, part of the Wexford team. Rory got man of the match in the Leinster final. What were summers or holidays or events like? I'd say it must be skin and hair flying. 
It would have been. So I had three brothers myself. And mm. I was, uh, my younger brother and my oldest brother were against my John and myself. Yeah. And that was... Uh, that, that used to start off as as most games relatively yeah. in the beginning and the blood got a little bit hotter and uh, yeah. the game got so the intensity creeped in and, and then it was only a matter of time before there was, was all out war. <laughs> Whoever could stay the course, if it was out in, 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 in field kind of close to the house and there was a, you know, you'd, you'd put up the goals and you know, generally just put throw down, throw down your, your, your jumper or your whatever and you'd make two goals out of that and yeah. play away most of the day and uh, then we had a, a lawn beside the house it wasn't very long it was about maybe 21 yards long and uh, the challenge was to, could you hit your brother with the ball you know so and the harder you could you, the harder you could hit the ball the more fun you would have especially if you could take him out of the game you know so, is that something that Katie tried uh, doing with Barry is it I think that's going to Sydney <laughs> getting a bit nervous as, 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 as long as you do anyway but basically you know you'd be better off challenging a woman anyway because the most have the last day anyway but uh, no they all they all they all played and uh, the the focus was very much on the focus was very much on skills and then growing up on a farm it was a kind of this is family yeah. yeah, you know when when we were going for the cows that time, we drew a straight line from the from the from the farmyard to the field, and then it was a, like a hunting expedition. There's a, a crowd called the Killing Carriers down there. We we jumped the dikes, you know, down right. for the, the lands reasonably flat. Yeah. So we had to, you had to jump dikes and ditches and whatever to go for the cows, and you always brought the ball in the hurl with you. You were you were getting all this uh, extra tr- extracurricular stuff. It was uh, extra training, and then if there was bars across houses, you know, outsheds or whatever, you were you were you were doing chin ups on the bars. How many could how many how many could you do? You know, so you were doing a lot of fun athletics, yeah. for want of a better word. You know, you know. So when we can learn through fun, you know, you want to be you want to be part of it. And I was just I was just listening to Sean out there. When he re- re- reflected on, on on growing up and, and playing the game, under no circumstances in the modern world should we have children on the sideline in the subs bench. It's just pathetic. A hundred percent of children, a hundred percent of the time, you come to play. Imagine sending a golfer coming down and he's sitting on the standing on the first tee and you, and you tell him, "No, you, you you're not playing today. You're going to the driving range." And he comes the next day again, "You're not playing today. You're going to the driving range." That adult culture, he will, he'll not be there too long. He said, no, I'm not, I'm not playing this game. No circumstances should a child be sitting on the line. You know, when we get to 15 and 16... Yes, yes, agree. Well, up, up to that, children don't come to sit on the sideline. They, they come to play. And we afford them the opportunity to play. So that's 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 part of who we are. We stand back and then play. Let them be the captain of their own ship. Let them empower the children. And, and we were speaking earlier on about... The, Skills and Sean was speaking about uh, Tony O'Sullivan and Tomas Mulcahy. Many many a battle I had with <laughs> two great players. Yeah. You know these guys. These guys. We we looked up. We looked up to all these guys. on friendships with the, with, the, with these guys. But it was all about playing the game. So when I see children and they're sitting on the side and the poor little, and you know, all, you, all you can visualise or, or, or see is little, just little faces. You know, will you bring me on? Will you bring me on? In under in under twelve or under fourteen, forget about that. We're here to develop children, get them to 18, get them to 20 years of age without any issues, as few issues as we can in life, and then let them off. Then grow the wings and let them off. Then fly. You know, and if we do that, that's, that's their all over the middle. And that's also their, their mother and fathers and their guardians all over the middles, you know. So it's not just, not just all over the middles for playing, for playing up in Crow Park every September. All over the middle is given to a, 
a mum and a dad because it takes a, it takes a community to rear a child anyway. Sean Oak, I think George is making a fantastic point there. Fun has nearly gone out of it that it's kind of you have to play your best team. You have to, and I know a lot of players who weren't great at under 12, under 14, but gradually come on, even in my own county, in my own club, Darren Gallagher was just an average player, whereas in the last couple of years, he's just really transformed into one of the best midfielders around. George is right. Every child, yes, when he comes up to a little bit higher, then obviously you're preparing you know, players for minor championships and obviously inter-county minor, under 20, and then senior. So you have to have that. But under 14, from that down, it has to be about fun and giving the children the opportunity to play our game. I concur and I echo everything that George and you did. You said there, and he's like, you know, can I, any, anyone involved, like the coaching one of these teams or kids at that level, the number one goal is not about winning or losing, like, you know, that's the material really, like, it's, it's about developing, developing them with the skills, do you know what I mean? And then basically, the ultimate goal is, if you're coaching a 14 team this year, get them interested and still involved in under 15 and 16 every year, keeping them on the journey. Myself and George were fortunate, like we we started off underage, you know, journeys ended up at senior level. Yeah. Unfortunately, not many kids that start off on the journey finish on, you know, finish off on, on that same journey. Like, like there's an indictment there somewhere. Why aren't kids finishing off the journey, right? Do you know what I mean? Um, I think the association from the kind of top level are recognising, especially at underage, the focus needs to go back into, you know, participation, fun, development rather than winning right and then I would have I would have started out with the failure competition this year because there's the I course and then a 14 team the failure was held in Cork and like the competition and its rules have altered from when I played failure like you know kind of 20 odd years ago like you know what I mean kind of there need to be mandatory subs made when yeah. you like it or not yeah. you know what I mean games are stopped after 10 minutes and you have to and it's all about what George is saying you need to you need to empty out your bench and everyone needs to get a game rather than sticking to the same fourteen or fifteen guys because you're only you're only looking for results. Does anyone sit back and say, Why do we why do we do this? Why do we go train? Why why do kids go training like you know what I mean? It's not because okay, yeah, they might have the mum and dad telling them kinda oh yeah, you have training and then kinda force them. It's because they want to do it, yeah. they enjoy it. And a lot of this is common sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, but it's just, well, all of this has just been lost in translation, like, along the way. Like, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so if you get the kids to come in with a bit of smile on their face and they're enjoying it, as George said, that's as good as, that's as good as them when they're all around them. Yeah. I think, I think, Sean, you know, when, when, when a child goes out to play, the, 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 the parents want to win, but the children want to compete. That's very true. And, and, and uh, sometimes we have a situ- we have situations where the, ch- the the parent tries to relive their their, their youth through their child, you know, yeah. and they get they get so much so much caught up in caught up in the game, and it's uh, the winning mentality is for the is for the uh, for the parents yeah. or parents. Very and, true. But but we must remember this. That what we're trying to do here is we're we're we're, we're empowering a child to play the game. And to be able to express themselves when they come home. The question that we ask a child when they come home: Well, did you enjoy the game? If, you, if yeah. the parent did ha- happen, didn't happen to be there, or even if they were there, well, did you enjoy the game? And if you if if you 
if you pose that question to a child, they'll say, "Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the game, but uh, the referee wasn't good." So, <laughs> so what we're doing here psychologically, we're actually getting the child to open up and yes. express himself, you know, verbally about the game, rather than say, rather than saying, "With the old, the old cliche was, well, did you win today?'" That was a that, that was a general, yes. general question yeah. years and years ago. That child wants to that wants to please the mum and their dad or their guardian. So if that child happens to be with a team that might not be as might not be as as good as some of the other ones that they're playing against, and they come home regularly, and the question is asked to them, "Did you win today?" Well, eventually the the, the bag will be thrown in the corner. So I'm not playing this game anymore because yeah. I cannot please my mum and dad. But the only way I can please my mum and dad is if they ask me, "Well, did you enjoy the game today?" And then they can go on reflection. Going forward for them, they will get used to. They will get used to reflection and they'll get used to verbally expressing themselves, which it isn't happening as much as kind of we'd like it today. If the, if the parent could step away from the result and step away from the win mentality, the child will actually feed all that information back to them. I think you have to think like a child, don't you? You have to get right down on yeah. their level yeah. and you have to talk about Peter Pan. Yeah. And we have to talk about Harry Potter, and we have to talk about Hogwarts, and we have to talk. Actually, I brought a hurley stick into Hogwarts, which is in Florida, Universal Studios. Oh my gosh! I brought a hurley stick in. I did bring a hurley stick in, and so I did this, this fella. Is he is he half packed or what? Is he? Yeah. I brought a hurley stick in, and I brought, and it was a hurley stick going in, and my God, when it was coming out, it was a magic wand. That <laughs> sure it is. I I of course it's a magic wand. Yeah. I see Sean know what happened and he cut and balls from the side. How did he do that? I said, how did he do that? I asked the children, how, how does Sean O'Hara have been do that? And then said, was well, some sort of magic? I think he had a spring under the ball or something. How did he jump so high for the ball? How was he able to do that? He, he, he has two springs in his boots. And every time he jumps for the ball, these springs go boing up in the air and he's able to catch the ball and he comes down and then there's a little bit of, a little bit of frost on top of his fingers and he gets frostbite. I don't know how he's able to do that. So what we're doing is creating this environment for a yeah. child to do magic. John Fenton years and years ago scored a goal. I'm looking for, I'm, I'm panning, panning through the game and I'm waiting for the golden nugget. So I go to games now and I, I, I'm waiting for the magic. And when I see someone doing something extraordinary with a hurley stick, I like DJ Carey scored a goal uh. in the other final. I said, DJ, how would you score the goal? And he said, uh, he said, well, uh, I didn't score the goal. He says, the hurley stick saw it. Yeah. You know, so, Joe Hanning scoring points when he had no right to score. There was a guy for, from Limerick there last year who scored a point in the other and final the other and semi-final. No, uh, how, he, how he scored, he had no right to score. You know, there's people doing magic tricks. And I saw I saw a little one one day and she did everything right on picking up the ball. She had two hands on the hurley stick and she picked the ball about six inches from the, from the hurley stick. And just as she went to catch it, another girl bent down that low and took the ball from between the hurley oh. stick and her hand. And I just, there was a few people standing beside me, and I said, I said "Did you see that?" And I said, "See what? See what?" I said, "Did you see that? Did you see that piece of magic?" No, no, I didn't see that. Oh my god! So one piece of magic can actually keep you going for for months. Never mind, never mind, from never mind weeks. Keep you going for months. So I go to games now just to see magic. It's it's important that we that we leave the instinct, and when we leave the instinct within the game of hurling, because that's what it is. It's it's, it's that instinct, you know, how the hell did he turn up there? How does he move into that position? How does he follow the ball? So rather than actually control the game from the sideline, 
there, there are tactics, but we can be over tactically. See things that happen that have no right to happen in this world. And that's instinct. And to play hurling on football with instinct is, is the beauty. And that's what's, what's, that's what divides the special player and the not so special players. George, you fine. I know there's a lot of I know there's a lot of good things about the modern game, but you find some aspects of the modern game has done this that like instinct off the cuff, like which which I think hurling is more. Do you know what I mean? It's not like an American football game where you can run down the clock or do you know what I mean? Pay for the draw or kind of like soccer or kind of. At, at, at the one group I have jars like that was just overcomplicating like a very simple game like yeah as much as I admire about Jeroni like some of the skill levels that the fellas today Jeroni the athleticism and like the so blind right I, I just see like it's pre-planned um, freedom of expression basically you know yeah. it, 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 it's, it's well, uh, leave the freedom of expression uh, we're, creating, we're creating an environment to empower players and if we create the right environment, then you will see magic. But if we create, if we, if we create a, a controlled environment, we will never empower there. And it's all about trust. Then. And, 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 and then I will, then I will sit on the sideline and watch you play. Now, if I, if we need to actually, if if, if Sean O'Gohappeny is, is is dominating, and the guy who's on doesn't actually suit. Sean Oaks type of play well I might have to move another guy over and it's more suited to, to, to yeah. the style of play that Sean, Sean Oaks plays I might have to change that but I'm not changing the guy off because he's getting hurled off the field or whatever so that, that's that's where the the, the, the the tactic from the sideline comes in but it's only it's only tactics because there's five there's five strands to this there's team play there's physical fitness there's psychological focus there's uh, technical skills and there's, t- and there's uh, tactical awareness and sometimes what happens is that the coach or coaches are not able to train guys from one level to the next to a certain intensity that actually suits that particular grade. And a word you used there, uh, Sean Oge, a few minutes ago, used common sense. So the coach has to be prepared as well as the players. You know, so you know, you if if we if we have a, a break between one uh, one skill and, and the next and the ne- one drill and the next or one game and the next, well, the we're creating we're creating the same pattern then that's going to occur in the game because they're, they're, they're playing their stop, they're playing the stop. So we want to create a consistency. And yeah. to create consistency, the coach has to be consistent in his preparation of the team beforehand. You know, so it's not rocket science. It's just a matter of being prepared. So when, I'm, when I'm going coaching, I say, well, I will, I will be coaching for one hour. We'll have two, maybe three water breaks. 45 seconds and 45 seconds is 45 seconds so what happens in, in a breakdown when you say you blow the whistle on, for, on 45 seconds and they're not ready and they say hey we're not ready and they say but you're, what do you not understand about 45 seconds maybe I got it wrong or maybe I'm not able to speak English properly or whatever yeah. so maybe it's my fault and I apologise for that but once we get them used to the consistency in, in intensity well then they will bring that to the field with them and little Children are the same, and children learn very quickly uh, about time because the mam generally the mam says because she you know I'm, I'm speaking for the mam so now they probably do a little bit more than the men at times, <laughs> but 
mum will, will say to the child, I'll be back in a minute. And, and, and mum comes back and I say, mum, you said you'd be back in a minute. Yeah. So we've, we've coached them for very in, indirectly to, at a very early age to appreciate or, or not appreciate yeah. time. Yeah. George, you mentioned you know, so. magic earlier on, and I can just picture him now with uh, a wand in his hand and a wizard hat and a cape, Mr. Uh, Davy Fitzgerald. We ourselves on the podcast a few weeks ago were just talking about Wexford and where were they and had Davy taken them so far, but obviously there was a, um, a step further he could take them. How do you see the rest of the year plan out for Wexford? Well, when I look back at Davy's career in coaching, you know, uh, now, with the greatest respect, he was like a little leprechaun, you know, you could see him here, you see him here and you see him there, and he's hopping here and he's hopping there, and, you know, everyone loved Davy because he was so enthusiastic, and he was, uh, he was, uh, he was all... He's always animated, yes. Yeah. You know, he's, he's animated, that's the word, Denise, that's the word I'm looking for, he was very animated. And then he, 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 he began to pull his, his strengths together, but he, he, he still kept the animation. He still kept the animation and it continued on. But I think with, with, with Wexford and, he, and even Waterford, he tried new things and sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work. He's in Wexford now, it's his third year in Wexford. Davy has learned himself that he's able to step back a little bit more mm. than, he, than, he, than he was. That he was, it was all Davy online and you said, been very animated and he was questioning every decision that was, was made and he was hopping up and down and he was like a jack in the box. To me now, he's beginning to, he's beginning to settle and he's beginning to, he's beginning to believe that what he's teaching now is actually working and he's, he's, he's beginning to empower the players now. So I, this is the first year that I've seen the players in Wexford that have been allowed to express themselves under with with that tactic he has mm. with that that player that he, Italian caption that we use that 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 uh, that word that begins with S that I don't particularly like but we use it anyway. I think in years gone by we used to just drop back the centre field guy you got drop back in centre back line under the puck house. I, I, it's 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 like a UFO. I just can't understand it. I, I see it and I don't understand it, so I don't use it. So, but yeah. it was, that's an Italian concept. We have our own definitions of that. We should come up with our own little definition of it, but we don't need to take the Italian term because that's where it be, that's where it started. But Davy has learned over the years, and he's he's learned up to, that he actually trusts the players to do the job that they're doing so going forward I think they're comfortable playing at the level they're playing at do I think they could, they could win an All-Earned this year I'm not sure mm. I'm not I'm not sure I think there's another level or two that they have to reach there might be one or two more players that we need but they are playing the best that they can play at the levels at the level that they're playing at, and it's comfortable for them they're playing either Leash now or Tipperary uh, Tipperary, I think Bonner Mar not playing with Tipperary. I think it's 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 level playing field somewhat for for, for Wakeford. So I think it's a good fifty fifty game. I think they have a great opportunity to get get to an all earned if they can if they can lift if they can play and if they, if we can rise at another maybe just one percent each. You know, George, are you riding off leash? Many people were riding yeah. off leash last week, like right and then, and then, uh, oh, lad. I thought of this one, TP Dublin. Do you know what I mean? For the quarterfinals. Sean, 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 you and I are going to fall out. <laughs> I haven't started about leash yet. I'm talking about the. first. And then I was about to start talking. Fair speaking. enough, fair enough. Okay. I thought you were jumping the gun there. 
Yeah, and I was going to invite you up to Wakeford maybe down for maybe a bit of fishing or whatever, a bit of golf or something like that, you know. But now... Oh, he's a smart cocky, that's what he is. And, 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 and Denise, you're supposed to be the adjudicator here. You're supposed to be keeping the peace. <laughs> so, to be fair to you, but I won't question him. Well, I'll do. I'll, 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 give, well, I'll give it ten seconds, will I? Ten, nine, go on. Will, will, will Leash be temporary? It'll be a miracle. Yeah. It'll be a miracle. Yeah, that's not a good And that'll be the consensus, George. You'd be wrong in that assessment, you know what I mean? Like, lightning, lightning, merely strikes twice, because there's, you know what I mean? Like, so, look. Yeah. I would love to see him get, I would love to see him getting one more week. I think if they had another week, we'd have we'd have a tight game. Can they do something that's off the radar, off the scale? I'm not sure whether they can do it or not. Have they, have they got the mental strength to, to actually come back to euphoria? Like what we, we, we spoke about the window, mm. of, window of tolerance. These guys have been shot up twice, two weeks in a row now. Yeah. No, yeah. so they've been shot. Now, can they come back down to earth again to prepare for next Sunday? In that in that time allotted. Now, physically they will. Mentally, I'm not sure sure whether they, whether, they, whether they can or not. If they can. They'll, they'll give it a good rattle, but I don't think. I think maybe like maybe the last maybe the last ten fifteen minutes. I think the, 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 the yeah. mental fatigue fatigue will, will will creep in and yeah. So you know, I, I try to be rational and, and, and rational rational about the thing. But you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be a miracle to see it? And wouldn't it be a miracle to see? It? And then I tell you what, then we we we'd shake in our boots because they would have a few weeks, but. You know, Eddie Brennan has done a brilliant job up there, and it's lovely to see a Kilkenny man going up to leash, helping the game for him, and give him, and, and, and give him the, the, the public this euphoria that they've had, and everyone deserves, everyone deserves their, 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 their time in the sun, you know. Uh, Sean O'Gear, uh, Cork, they play their old foes, Kilkenny, as well, on Sunday. It's a double header in Crow Park. Good win over Westmead, you know, 140. They were going for points the whole time, which was terrific to see. But um, you know these games, Cork and Kilkenny, you never know how they're gonna go. The history books will tell you that, like you know what I mean. Cork and Kilkenny head to head, um, tough to call. And then you see the team going in and form. Uh, it's kind of like a curse, you know what I mean. Mm. And the Cork and Kilkenny games, like kind of looking back, even 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 the times I would have picked Kilkenny, times that we were expected to beat them. You'll end up going home like with the tail between your legs and vice versa. Do you know what I mean? When they were free of us, like and um, the best thing about yesterday's game against Westmead is they did what they had to do, yeah. job done, and then they move on to the quarterfinal. And look, it was not disrespected Westmead, but it was damned if they do and damned if they didn't. Yeah. Like, you know, so um, it's from no one is the Cork going to be assessed really from no one. It's all things. You know what I mean? It's not going from no one. Like can I, on paper, I, I I think Cork are a better unit. This Cork team probably more together as a bunch. They've been probably playing more together than say Kilkenny because Kilkenny have had a few new faces over the last year or two. You know, Brian Cody has brought it in. So Cork, I would think, have a more a mature kind of team than Kilkenny would. But it's Kilkenny, Denise. I'm telling you now. Yeah. So who am I telling George? Like, can I, 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 like I, 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 I've gone as a spectator 92 All-Ireland Final where we coasted Munster, got to the All-Ireland Final, Kilkenny just barely beat, was it Antrim in the semi-final? Just barely beat Antrim in the semi-final and sure, like we thought we had 
was in the bag and then they see what to call it, we go home crying like like for the generation eighty two, eighty three, back to the beat Kilkenny well. Kilkenny kind of mangled them in the two finals, do you know what I mean? Like so if it was any other team than me, I'd be I'd be I'd be most confident. But I'm only just I'm more optimistic, putting it that way. I like quietly confident but that's it, you know. George, I always thought, yeah, cats, grand name for Kenny, but I think wasps, because there's always a sting in their tail. There's no question that in Kilkenny, like, if, 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 if you look at, if you look at Kilkenny, Kilkenny people, Kilkenny people have hurling, uh, they have quite a good hockey team up there in Kilkenny, in Kilkenny College as well. They have little or no rugby, there's a small bit of rugby up there. Gaelic football is, uh, I think, to put flowers in the, in, in half the ball or something, cut in half or something, uh, or maybe you see them going down rivers or whatever, but it, they just never embraced it. It's, it's all they know up there is basically is hurling. So if you can meet someone who's, who's, who hasn't hurled, you know, like he's, he's, they're very special, but they're hurting after Wexford. Yeah. They're definitely hurting after Wexford. And th- th- this is their, this is their, their, the holy grail the brain Cody is is hurting very much people are people are, are suggesting or wondering would, would would this be the end of brain Cody you just never know with Kilkenny and Cork Kilkenny are building uh, to have young fellas coming on Cork are a mature team on that in that in that regard Cork have enough have enough to win my only concern is with the Cork backs you know they, they, they scored 140 Westmead scored 20 points yeah. that's 60 score 61 scores in a game but 20 points if you stuck a goal with, with, with the 20 points that Westmead scored I'm wondering was it a kind of a free or just a, 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 a freestyle hurling or was there was was there tight market from the Cork backs because I don't think I think there could be some goals in Kilkenny they'll know they'll mm. have to score goals to want to beat Cork if they allowed Westmead to score 20 points and still score 140 it's a bit like well it's a bit like Liverpool like we're going all out attack you, you, you might score but we're going to score more yeah. Kilkenny will know that they'll have to score goals and the opportunity arises they will go for the goal and that's the only way they're going to beat Cork who's going to win you know I fancy Cork I fancy, mm. I fancy Cork but but Kilkenny are hurting and they're planning and they're contriving their day. I will, they will try everything. They will try everything. They will try everything to disrupt Cork. What, uh, Cork will, will have to control TJ Reid because this guy has got, uh, got the Harry Potter touch. He's yeah. got the Harry Potter touch. You know, he's one of the magical guys. Like some, that this guy could come up with something special. If it was a 21 yard free in the beginning of the game, I wouldn't be surprised if he went for a goal. Yeah. You know, so be, be, be prepared for surprises. My interpretation of this game is you may throw it up the window. Yeah, form book is out the window, yeah. Whatever I say is going to happen, form is going out the window. Whatever I say is going to happen, it's definitely not going to happen. I'd be more confident if Cork were playing Limerick. That, that, and, uh, and, and I'd leave it at that. Yeah. If Cork were playing Limerick, I'd be more confident. But the fact that Black and Limerick team kind of on a mission, different animal altogether. Yeah. Like it was. Sean Oak, we're going to mention uh, before we go the big ball. Uh, Cork, great to see them recovering from the, the Munster final. Um, yeah, and they've done the so well. Eight, yeah, yeah, in the Super 8. Russ coming to Rowan, Dublin Cork. The, the bottom line here, Denise, is like they're just going to have to discount this Dublin game. To, whatever about the result, just once they can perform to what yeah. they can perform. Do you know what I mean? That's going to be the key thing to them. So if they can put in a performance. Which is uh, which is on par with what they think that they're capable of. 
that's the most important thing. If they get a result, which which I don't see happening, do you know what I mean? Mm. Bonus. If not, at least they can bring a performance into the Tyrone game because ultimately Cork season and the Super 8 is going to boil on to the Tyrone and the Roscombe games. For me, at the game in two weeks' time against Tyrone is going to be there. But just on the notion over the weekend, I thought potentially that was a banana skin for Cork against Leash. Expected to win in a lot of people's eyes, right? Which they did handily in the end. The Cork footballers, right? Like Denise, they leave you down. Like the past, they can leave you down with a bang. Yeah. They can put in a performance like that against Kerry, and then they're so inconsistent, they can lose to Azerbaijan that we can <laughs> The fact that they've got consistent performances on the bone. They also that, have a guy called. They also have a guy that, that trained right for down there. He's involved with the with the car backroom team there now. Oh, Jason Ryan, is it? Right. Yeah. Good guy, George. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, yeah, consistency would be would be would be part of his his mantra, you know. So. Uh, right. I think you're going to see consistency in Cork, you know, whether they, they yeah. have reached the levels, whether they reach the levels, yes, of the Tyrone, the Dublin, um, I think they're probably on a par with Mayo at the moment. I think they are, yeah. they, they are up there, they're, compete, they're competing again, but uh, whether they're good enough to, you know, to come through in the Super 8s, I'm not, I, I'm not so sure, but they're definitely on the up. So yeah. Jason Ryan has, has added has added to the backroom team, you know, and it's not it's not taken away from from the ice. Sometimes you just get the yeah, you, you need when, you need someone else in there, yeah, yeah, you get the meat right. Yeah. Go yeah. on, sorry. There was a funny one. I know I I, I let you back to the football, but I, just in case I do I do forget to to, to, to mention this before I go. Um, you know the Kilkenny Cats and people speak about the Kilkenny Cats. Uh, the Kilkenny Cats originated from uh, cricket. Cricket originated in Ireland. And the whole country said, where the hell is he going with this one? So this was before before the instigation of yeah. the GA. So there was, 100, there was over 100 uh, cricket teams in Kilkenny. There was 90-something in Wexford, and it was all up the East Coast, and then lesser, to a lesser extent on the West Coast. And that time, the conscripts, the conscripts in the British Army were more more Irish than British. Oh. And in the in the in the in the the union of the countries attached to Britain, the Irish brought the game of catty. It was known as catty to whatever country in the British Empire and they brought to all the countries. So if you look at the countries that play cricket, it's the Pakistans, the, the, yeah, the, the countries they took over. Yes. Yeah. So the Irish brought the game of catty with them and it was played with a black turn stick and it was played in a pitch called the Oval. And the the game was to the stick the sticks was a instead of the ball they were using little small little short sticks about six inches long and you you had to actually throw the stick into the circle of the opposing batter and his 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 the bat that he used was a black thorn stick and he was trying to hit the stick out into the field and the pitch was called the oval and when they brought that game and it, and then it actually it actually uh, progressed that they used the sticks as stumps and they got a bat then and they introduced the ball and then it became it became, became cricket so the Irish brought all over the world 
Kenny Cats used to think that, that they were doing funny things with cats hanging them on trees and all this sort of thing. So the nickname Kenny Cats came from the word Cathy, which was okay. the original name for cricket. It's a bit of useless information for you. Oh, it's great. Come here. Listen, before you go, I want you, Donegal Meath, Kerry Meogh. The Kerry Meogh game is going to be a nice game. Uh, how do you think those games are going to go? It is a hard one. You're, you're, you know what? It's, you know what? It's the free, there's great freedom in being able to say to you, "I don't know." You know, and say, so, "Oh, he's sitting on the seat." He's sitting on no, the but it is very hard to predict. Yeah. Who's there to beat Dublin? I don't think there's anyone to beat Dublin at the moment. If Dublin, if Dublin play at the level yeah. that they're able to play at, and, that, and and keep that consistency there, and keep that professional approach that they that they seem to have right now, I think they're not being beat. I think Dublin are there to beat themselves. True, but. You know, sport is sport. Sport is sport. Uh, Tyrone, Trettenham, Kerry, I think they're on the up. Cork are on the up. Uh, Roscommon, I don't think so, they're on the up as well. Donegal. Uh, Donegal. Donegal would be, as a felt the dark horse. Yeah. They're tough, they're hardy, they're, 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 they're play, they're, they're and play. And I think having Rochford there is a big thing for Declan Bonner as well. It is. Mm. As you said about Jason Ryan with Cork, it's a bit like, you know, sometimes um, it's like a Laurel needs a Hardy or a, a, a Markham needs a Wise. This is what these guys need. We wonder sometimes, what the hell, what was it, what did they have? They just needed one more little piece in the jigsaw. Fresh, yeah, fresh voice or something, yeah. And, and when you get that little piece in the jigsaw, the whole, the, the, then it's a bit like a, a, a smooth running engine. Don't need all the dangers because they can score. Yes. You could you could bring the Dublin in every department, but like you're at nothing if you can't score at the end of it. Donegal have seemed to unearth, do you know what I mean? Like they're not too reliant in Michael Murphy, yeah. More, do you know what I mean? God, you'll be right in a lot of people's eyes. They reckon the only threat to Dublin this year is probably Donegal. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of see the other teams, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll tickle Dublin as well, but, but like we saw with me, the Shamid had eighty percent possession. It's not the ball over the bar. Yeah. Like, Jesus, you might as well be. That's the only way. Same in hurling jars, right? You know what I mean? Do you to hurt the opposition once it's on the scoreboard? You know, kind of. If we look at the development of any player, we look and and we we talk about the 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 it's 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 an institution. There's institutions of strength and condition now. It's an industry. Yeah. Become an industry, and nutrition has become an industry. Strength and condition has become an industry. It's a big money game now, and that's just the way it is. That's and that's you know you the, the, one of the most difficult words in the, in, in the English language is acceptance. You just you just accept that. So sometimes at the at at the depletion of the skills. So when we get a child of of seven years of age, more than likely they can kick the ball with the right foot or left foot respectively. And then you say to a coach, well, can you get them to kick with the other foot by the age of twelve? That gives you five years. And say, would you be able to get the child to kick, kick the football with both feet, left and right, in five years? Uh, given the fact that they're able to kick with one foot, because that as that part of their mind is right, is the right right sided, and then we can equal, we can balance it up by using the other one. And if you say to uh, uh, coaches within the respective clubs, we have five years to teach them to kick it with the other foot as well, left and right. Would that be enough? And say, uh, oh, it would be. Well, why can't you do it then? Yeah. So we go. Then we transfer the whole. We go the whole way to senior, 
and we and we're 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 putting muscles we're putting muscles on guys who are able to kick a ball with one foot. We're only controlling with one side, but you can't give them the skills at eighteen and twenty yeah. years of age. It's too late. But we can put muscles on a fly. <laughs> you know, so tying a rope, tie a rope to them up and down the walls, or you, you, you eventually get muscles on them. You know, so it's an industry that has creeped in at the detriment, at the detriment of our skills. So as 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 young 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 Barry here just going to I, people would 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 equate him or or, or equate him to to his 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 father or his uncles or whatever that these guys are these guys were hardy and mm. were tough and blah blah blah. And, and 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 that is completely completely wrong. I said, Barry, you just keep working at the skills. Yeah. Let the ball do the job. Isn't that what you have to do? I'm after quoting Sean all again. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's common sense, but yeah. uh, common sense doesn't prevail. And we have coaches that we're going we're going to introduce uh, we're going to introduce uh, strength and addition at thirteen or fourteen. Just give him a big tug of war up and then pull the hell over for a while. I'll go and do know, a bit of farming. Run him over a few. And that's yeah. 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 Little, little bit of little, little bit of rocky stuff. Yeah. A couple of big old fires there and then whack away at him for a while. And we'll, give, we'll, put, we'll put a bit of muscle on him later on, in, later on in life when they have the skills. Poor repertoire. The goose Cooper doesn't look like he's... A, he's, he's, he's he doesn't look like he's Mr. Universe. He looks a very casual type of guy, but by God, he's a kind of the, the wizard of the, the wizard of football. Yeah, you know, and the same with the the the, the, the likes of uh, Mars or Mars. Uh, what do you call him? Uh, uh, you know, this guy there was a guy called Matty Ford. Yeah, he could play both sports. Bulging biceps or bulging ties and quads and all this and calf muscles that you could that you could you could rear calves on. My God, you know, let's 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 get it right, let's get them, give them the skills first, and we'll we'll build we'll build on that. So yeah. you're right, you're right, Sean. Oh, Donegal can kick points. So someone must be doing right, something right up there. Uh, Tyrone can do the same. Uh, generally, generally, most most teams can yeah. kick pretty good ball, but I kind of um, get a, a bit frustrated when I hear we get it get it to the shooter. Holy jeez. I have to say George it's it's lovely talking to you because um, in Granard there's a lot of you know the old fellas that still go to the matches and I love listening to their stories and they're purists and I kind of have been brought up with that and my mum and dad are the same with, with the football and the hurling so it's great to hear you having the same views listen we could chat for hours I think I might join you and Sean Og when you go fishing do you mind and we can do another Podcast out in the boat somewhere down there. But I'll tell you a little, a little ditty, a little ditty before you go there. And this did happen. We played a, we played a, a league final against Cork, and, and Sean O might remember it was 1993. We had three, we did. Oh, how can I forget? Monumental, boys, yeah. Monumental game. Monumental, yeah. yeah. Oh, Martin, Martin game. So we went to, went to a tournament. The second day was a weather. But anyway. The second day we were playing, we had a, a guy over the team at the time called Chris Dickey Ho. Yeah. And, uh, he was, he was, a, he was a great guy. He was a great guy. He's dead now, God rest him. And, oh. uh, he was a very, he was a very, very, uh, honest coach, but coached in the old style. You yeah. know, very much in the old style. But he was going down to the team anyway, and he, there was a guy called Jared Cush who was full back and Oh, yeah. Uh, tough cookie. Tough cookie, yeah. Tough cookie, and he said to, he said to Jared Cush, who are you playing on, Cush? 
uh, uh, Jim Cashman, Jim Cashman, or Kevin Cashman, uh, ah, he'll, you'll handle him, he's grand, and then he'll come out to, to call Liam Dunn, who will play Tomas McCarty. Listen, minute he puts up his hands, or listen, put, put it back to the cork again, and all this sort of stuff, you know, <laughs> the usual level. Yeah. And then he went on to Martin Story, Tom Dempsey, and a few of the guys, anyway. And there was a guy playing Carnivore for us called Eamon Scallon. Yeah, and Scanlon and yeah, and there was a guy playing for 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 Cork that day, Brian Cocker. And Brian Cocker <laughs> oh, yeah. was playing cornerback. He was actually the hurler of the year, I think, the year before, maybe around that time, sometime anyway. Yeah, You're right, George. Ninety-two, he got hurler of the year. Yeah, ninety-two, so, yeah. hurler the year before. The year before, yeah. this was yeah. ninety-three, and he had all the dreadlocks, and he looked apart, and he was kind. So he really looked apart. And uh, when who are you playing on Evan? Uh, Brian Cocker and Brian Cocker Christie. And God help you, son. <laughs> God help you. God help you. God help you, son. Uh, great for the conference, so, yeah. Oh, well, uh, he said thank you very effing much, Christy. And that was it. And off we went. And off we went. Oh, I love those stories. Listen, George, thank you again so much for all those little ditties. Oh, well, listen, keep them because we might have a part two. Sean Oak, thanks again. And we'll be chatting to you next weekend to see if uh, you got your predictions right and if and if George's predictions are right too. Listen, lads, I'm going to say a big thank you again. I really, really, really enjoyed it. So until next weekend, everyone, slán go fall. <laughs>